hope you guys are all celebrating some big adulting milestones this season. And you know what? Finding the perfect gift for those celebrations can be kind of tough. I have the solution over at grownupgear.com. We have adorable hats, totes, mugs, pillows, tees, and seriously, the most cozy and comfortable sweatshirts. They're all on grownupgear.com and all at affordable prices. We even now have digital gift certificates if you can't decide. Use code GROWNUP for 15% off your first order. Buying from our small business helps to support this free podcast. And you know what? We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. People will pull out their phone. They look at their bank balance. If they just got a paycheck, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm flush. And if they are, you know, at the end of the, the you know, paycheck comes in a few days, they're like, oh, I can't buy that. The bank balance is the sole indicator of can I buy this? Can I not? Can I, can I afford this? Can I not? Should I buy this? It's super stressful. You're listening to Money Tips for Financial Grownups with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grownup. And you know what? When it comes to money, being a grownup is hard, but together we've got this. Hey there, grown up friends. Do you guys stress out about money? I do some of the time. I do. Do you check your bank balance before you make a purchase? Do you get anxious worrying about something unexpected coming at you, whacking your delicately balanced finances that are okay for now, but maybe not as strong as you would like, especially if those unexpected things should happen? Well, we have you covered with this week's financial grown up, Jesse Meekum. He is the founder of the You Need a Budget app and software, I should say, aka YNAB. Jesse has a lot to say about how we take the stress out of our grown-up financial lives. The father of seven is remarkably calm. Yeah, I said the father of seven. In part because he has been able to separate his work from his family life, something we also talk about. I think you're really going to love his work from home tips as well. So with that, here is YNAB's Jesse Meekum. Hey, Jesse Meekum, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. You are the founder, CEO, and creator, creative mind, I should say, behind You Need a Budget, affectionately known by many as YNAB. Congratulations on all the success of this product. And really, it's more than a product. It's really a whole suite of tools to help grown-ups. Yeah. We're focused on anyone that thinks at some moment in time, like, I think I might need a budget. And then we try and convince them that a budget is fun and useful and productive. And then we just teach them a kind of a new way of thinking about their money and have them go on their way. Well, the backstory of this really started with you. Yeah. I was the first one to realize that I needed a budget, at least that I knew. And my uh, very new wife and I, we were both uh, just newlyweds, broke, uh, both in school. We wanted to get through school. We wanted to do it without taking on any debt. And we weren't making a lot of money at all. So I just thought, well, we need to watch this carefully. So I built this little spreadsheet for just me and my wife, Julie. And a year later, it had done a lot of heavy lifting for us. We we were on the same page. We were saving money. And uh, then this little baby came along. And our two big goals, we didn't want to borrow any money for school. And we wanted Julie to be able to step out of the workforce and just focus on this baby. And she was the breadwinner at that time. I was still mainly focused on school. So the whole impetus was like, well, could we figure out some way to make, just kind of close that gap 
And that was where I thought, well, maybe other people would want to use this spreadsheet that Julie and I have used. So we, we launched it and iterated for the next 17 years. And here we are. A lot of people are working from home, but they're thinking or they're being told that they're going to come back in some form. So much is up in the air. Give us some money tips for managing this time in our lives. Structure. That is the word. You want to build structure in. It's not so you can be like uber, super productive, right? We're not saying, oh, now you can be superwoman because you've got work right there. It just, you know, you can go sit over there and just start plugging away. Not that at all. It's actually structure to be able to stop working and find time to like close things down. And so anything you can do, if it's like a morning routine and a shutdown routine, our team swears by that. If you have the luxury of finding a separate space with maybe a door that you can close, that's excellent. Headphones that you can pop on and mute things, that's excellent. Anything where you can create structure around your work. But most importantly, it's so you can shut things down. We saw a lot of burnout from 2020, not because, well, I mean, yeah, because of the pandemic, but because people didn't know how to not be at work when work had come home. All the rules changed when the pandemic hit and, you know, it became kind of okay to have kids in the background, but at a certain point, there is a productivity cost. So give us some money tips for parents balancing work and family, especially in this transitional time. Yeah, it's, it was, we're promoters of remote work and it's been kind of unfair for remote work to have the pandemic come along with the experiment because what you were doing was like, oh, we don't like working from home because my kids are here. And I'm like, well, they won't, they won't always be there. You know, they'll probably be back in school and it'll feel different. Or suddenly someone's having to just on a whim work from their kitchen table. And that's not ideal for basically most everyone. I say most because I do know one person that loves the chaos and he he works and codes right in that, but he is the exception. So we don't want to combine our experience of working from home with the fact that we had all these other dynamics with the pandemic. Number one, and maybe only because you'd start here and then see what happened. You, you've got to have conversations with your spouse. You're, you're probably both working and you kind of have to say, okay, how do we divide and conquer this situation? But Julie and I, when, when I used to work in our home, you know, we had to have just straightforward conversations. I would say like, hey, I, I'm going to go down. And it's like, I'm gone, you know, just gone. And she was clear on that. And then she also needed to know from me, like, hey, are you going to come up for lunch? Should Should I eat without you? Like she didn't want to just you know, miss out on something, but it was a little bit of a burden for her if I wasn't very communicative on like what my schedule looked like. You know, she's like, oh, should I wait around or should I take off with the kids and go somewhere? And and so just overly communicating it on as far as the boundaries go has been really helpful. But you have to recognize you're like, you're always going to iterate on this. This is, everything's changing. Life will change. The kids will get a little older and they can understand things like, hey, don't, you know, don't come in when, when the door's closed. I, I lock my door here when I'm doing something like this. It's a recording where I'll hear Faye, you know, my little five-year-old run across the garage floor and I'll hear her coming. And she knows if the door's locked, that means don't knock. You know, that means just give dad a little bit of time and I can pop out at some point, but you got to communicate those boundaries. Like, Hey, this is real. You know, I'm really at work. Yeah. That's an area that is ripe for improvement in my home for sure. Oh, you know, yeah. you talk about, so, okay. So your product is YNAB. And I'm sure some people are super fans and some people give you the eye roll. And part of it is that there's a perception that budgets are all about being restrictive. I'd like you to share an experience you had with your wife when, you know, you had a certain amount budgeted for groceries, but it wasn't working for her because it wasn't about the money. 
Yeah, it's almost nothing is ever really about just the money. There's always something like at least a few layers deep. And in this instance, I regret to say that it was like a 10-year evolution of my my learning on this and Julie also learning it as well. But for the most part, when we were first early on married and I was not even working just on YNAB, I had a real job and stuff. I mean, I was swamped doing that and she was swamped doing these little kids. And so we're both pretty swamped. I do still the heavy lifting of the budgeting as far as, you know, running the software and making sure everything's reconciled. And then she comes over and I'm like, Hey, I'm ready for you. She comes over and she looks at it all and we make sure we're on the same page. And that was always how it worked. And one of those categories in there was the groceries category. And our third rule of, of budgeting is to roll with the punches, meaning you can overspend, you, you just adjust, you know, it's flexible. And so every month we would overspend in groceries and then literally 10 years in one day. And so this would mean we had four kids or probably at the time. And I was like, you know, same old conversation. And it was like a light bulb went off for Julie or something where she's like, for me, a successful grocery trip doesn't mean I'm under budget. It means that the kids don't melt down. It means that it's just smooth. It means we're in and out. That's success. And I was trying to have like the old school Julie when we were first married and she knew the price of every brand of can of corn, you know, but over time we had evolved and she couldn't, she didn't have the brain space for it and nor should she have. So it was her recognizing the value that she was placing was on the experience, not on just, oh, look how little we spent. When back when we were first married, it was vital that we spent so little because it was so tight. So I, I bumped our budget up quite a bit and we haven't overspent since. That was a big lesson for me. Like there's there's usually something behind the scenes when we're talking about money. Well, and you're speaking to something that hits home for so many of our grown-up listeners, that it is an evolution as you go through the different stages of being a grown-up. And, you know, at the early times when you made that budget initially and the decision about about how much money you would have for groceries, she was in a position where it made sense with her time and her attention to be looking yeah. at every little price. And there sometimes is a time in life when the price within that budget is not the most important thing. It might be the time that it's not worth her time resources, especially now as you have seven children to know the price of corn or whatever it may be. So I think it's really important that financial grownups understand that things change and that's okay. And it's important to be able to adjust things. Um, you're a big believer in not having debt. Obviously you say it's not inevitable, but there are a lot of people that point out that debt can be used for good, like education. You were able to avoid debt for your education. Tell us about that and give us some tips about avoiding debt, especially for people that are looking at student debt, credit card debt, what have you. Yeah. The student debt, I'll kind of set aside for just a moment. Credit card debt, for the most part, as at least as it's reported, you see a lot of people say, you know, the the worst situations are someone declares bankruptcy. And they'll say a lot of time it's it's a medical debt that will kind of tip the scales, but we don't recognize all of the little debts that come along that kind of pile up. And then it's like the straw that broke the camel's back. This final one is, you know, a medical bill or something a little bit larger than is the norm. Most people, it's just, it's kind of death by a thousand cuts with that credit card balance. So it goes up a little bit, they pay it down, but not quite all the way. It goes up a little bit, they pay it down, but not quite all the way. And it's really because they're, making spending decisions now, not considering future expenses that are going to happen, that are very much going to happen. Like the car will need to be repaired at some point or a, an appliance will need to be replaced. So when these 
abnormal kind of that, you know, someone will say, Oh, I'm, I'm just, this is one off thing. Like this isn't a normal month, but we had this one off kind of oh, experience. I just had a, a water heater go out. Where, well, just the pipe for it, where it started shooting a little stream of water in your face. If you walked by and, and we were like, well, we got to get that fixed, you know, and that just happens. So that's all real. And there is no such thing as a normal month. And so every time we see a new expense pop up, we're like, oh, that's abnormal. That that's doesn't, that's not normally what happens. So I'll just put it on this card because it's a one-off. You find out that that abnormal stuff happens all the time. And so we're always kind of telling ourselves that story and that story isn't true. So when we get to our, one of our second rule, we're embracing those true expenses we want people to be able to look ahead to those larger, less frequent expenses that surprise them and break them up into monthly amounts and start saving up for the car repair, the appliance repair, or the vacation, you know, kids summer camp or whatever it may be, not always just bad things. And then when they're choosing to spend money in the moment, they're considering the future as well. So that, that thinking shift, and I'm not, I should say, I'm not talking about people that are truly in dire straits. They know how to stretch. I mean, you talk about financial grownups, financial tips, like they know how to stretch a dollar in ways that would just blow our minds. So I'm talking about people that make good money. They're just, they don't have good information. And so they're not, they're just not choosing in the moment based on information that's, that's fit to really give them the answer they need. And that's how we slowly get into the credit card debt. So where can you get that information? You need to stop looking at your checking account balance as the end all be all point of information say well how much money do i have can i go out to sushi or are we going to get you know some cheap pizza can i do this can i can i buy these shoes that i just saw or not and people will pull out their phone they look at their bank balance if they just got a paycheck they're like oh my gosh i'm flush and if they are you know at the end of the the you know paycheck comes in a few days they're like oh i can't buy that the bank balance is the sole indicator of can i buy this can i not can i can i afford this can i not should i buy this it's super stressful so instead, we want them to follow our first rule. You take that bank balance, you break it up into jobs, and you say this, this money, say we have $1,000, 400 of that is for groceries for the next little while. 200 of it is for this thing. 100 of it is for a car repair that I know will happen, but I don't know when and I don't know how much. But 100 bucks would be better than zero. I'm going to set that aside this month. And you just start breaking that pile of money down. 50 bucks will be for sushi. And then you live, you know, you live according to that plan. And when your friend says, Hey, uh, you know, probably we should go get some sushi. You look at your phone and instead of seeing that you have a thousand dollars and you're like, Oh yeah, sushi slam dunk you, or you see a thousand dollars and you're like, Oh, should I, I don't know. You still don't know. Still stressful. You look at the sushi category and you're like, oh, I got 50 bucks. That's I'm sitting pretty. Let's go do sushi. Or you see that your eating out category is, is $2 and you're like, mm, you want to just come over and you know, I'll make you some tea or something, but you're, you're not choosing something now without considering all of those future obligations that are going to hit you. And that that's the key. I want to get through um, a couple other tips we have prepared for our listeners. You talk a lot about embracing your true expenses. And I feel like you were alluding to that in the last answer. What does it mean to embrace your true expenses? You have to recognize that expenses are not even, they're not steady. They're they're, they're like, uh, I don't know, a really unhealthy EKG maybe where it's just like, boom, here's a big surprise. Boom. Here's a big surprise. And you always think like, oh, that's the exception. It's not, it's, it's real. Like Christmas comes every single year. And so if, if you celebrate Christmas, if you do the gift thing, then you'd say, well, how much do we want to spend on that? Maybe it's $600. So you set aside 50 bucks a month 
for all of 2021, you're setting aside 50 bucks a month. And then when Christmas comes, you have $600. Instead of flipping it around and starting to say, oh, well, I don't have any money, so I'll just put it on a card and then I'll pay that down. Think about it this way, Bobby. It's always you and like future you that are sitting there with the pile of money. And future you needs to have a voice at the table. If you think about the debt situation that you asked me about earlier, when you say someone's like, oh, we'll put that on a payment plan, we'll put this on a payment plan, you know, that's that's the name of the game. That person, that company is thinking about future them. They're like, oh man, it'd be great if you'd finance this car. Absolutely, it'd be great for us. They're totally thinking about future them, future quarterly earnings, things for shareholders, future bank balance. I mean, they they're all over the future. And then you have the person that signs it away saying like, oh yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that note for this car. They're not thinking about the future. I'm trying to flip that around. I'm trying to have people think about their future and position themselves to be future oriented, where then they're making decisions with both of you in mind, future Bobby, present Bobby. Yeah. And it's hard because the truth is one of the things that worries a lot of us right now is that things like you talk about a car, car loans are getting longer and longer in terms to make the payments look lower, but ultimately you're paying more and it's over your head for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're like orienting where they know what well, don't even look at the repo situation. I mean, how many times people will get cars repossessed and the same car will get repossessed five times there is someone making money in that scenario and it's not the person driving the car. And and so that seven year note that you see on cars now, they used to be three, then five. Now they're seven. All that is, is an evolution of, of the financing of that, you know, G, like GM Ford name, yeah, every car company makes most of their money, most of their profits from the financing side of this, not from the manufacturer of the car. And they're putting it out to seven years because they know that future Toyota, future Honda, no knock on any of the companies, but they're, they are future and profit oriented and people that are buying the car are now oriented. And that's where we have to just try and get that shift to happen. So you start paying yourself a car payment, saving up cash for it over time. And it might mean that you buy a, you know, a car that's beneath your, beneath your, you know, beneath you for a little while, but then you, you know, you trade up over time and you keep, you start paying cash for that. You get out of that car payment trap. It's not a given. Or you don't trade up. A lot of really wealthy people drive really crummy cars. It is absolutely true. Yeah. They're <laughs> hiding in plain sight. All right. One final tip. Um, what does it mean to age your money? So we're essentially talking about if you were to earn a dollar today, that it would be like 30 to 60 days before you actually spent that dollar. So when a dollar enters your system, the the clock starts ticking and that dollar starts getting older and older and older. Right now, most people that are living paycheck to paycheck, they are spending dollars. I mean, they have a pile of bills just waiting for money to land. And we want to flip that around. We want to have a pile of money where bills come and land. And you're like, oh, okay, I've got the money here set aside. If you follow our first three rules, which we talk about ad nauseum, if you follow our first three rules, that fourth rule where you start to spend money that's a little older, a little older, a little older, it almost just happens automatically. It's a way to step back from the financial edge. You sleep better. You can talk more effectively about money with your partner because the stress levels are much lower. You make better decisions because of those stress levels being lower. You probably live longer because your stress levels are lower. That's the aging your money concept. Spend money that is old. When you think about swiping a card, you actually spend money that well, the metaphor breaks down, but it hasn't even been born yet. You know, you haven't even earned it yet. And the shift that we're seeing where companies are paying people, you know, for that day, for that shift, and they think that's going to help people break the paycheck to paycheck cycle. That's, that's not going to do it. 
we're just pushing that can down the road. We have to have people start to orient themselves around thinking a little further ahead. I love the way that you are reframing this and the different perspectives that you're giving because I'm sitting here listening and my mind is churning and it's so interesting to come at this from a different perspective. So thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find out more about you and about your company? You can just go to youneedabudget.com and we are on all the social stuff. We're even on TikTok, you know, which I don't even understand, but we're there. I personally, I'm not on any of the social stuff. I, I stay plenty busy not doing that, but you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, all over the place. And uh, my podcast is called You Need a Budget as well. And if you loved listening to this silky voice, you can listen to it all you want. So great having you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, let's review some of what we learned from Jesse. First of all, it took 17 years for Jesse to get his business where it is now. So be prepared to play the long game with your goals. If you are working from home for the long haul, make sure you create structure to put up guardrails and protect your time so you don't get burned out. And remember, the kids are going back to school. Because kids were home at the same time, remote work was very different during the pandemic. With the kids back in school, it likely will be easier. But make sure to communicate with your family about exactly how things are going to run. Be prepared for abnormal expenses, which are actually kind of routine. We just don't think of it that way. Start putting money aside for unexpected expenses that you know to expect. Consider the future when you are about to buy something. Are you considering future you and how that will impact future you, the decision you make today, right? Break up your money and give every dollar a job to start getting control of your money. Think it through. When you borrow money, like for a car, know that the companies stretch out the length of the loan to make those payments lower. And you probably, do the math, but I'm gonna bet, you probably are gonna pay more in the end. Age your money. Try to wait and have money in your account for a period of time before you spend it. It'll take a lot of anxiety out of your life. How do you lower the stress levels when it comes to money? I'd love to hear your ideas. DM me at BobbyRebel1 and let me know. And a reminder, if you are shopping for gifts, please check out grownupgear.com. I will be eternally grateful for your business. As a special promotion, we are going to give away one $50 gift card to grownupgear.com each week until July 4th, which is Independence Day. We could also call it Financial Independence Day, I hope. I don't know, maybe. There are two ways to enter to win. Take a screenshot of this podcast, post it on social media and tag me at bobbyrebel one and then also email that screenshot to us at hello at financialgrownup.com. That's hello at financialgrownup.com. The second way to enter to win a $50 gift card to grownupgear.com is to write a review of the Money Tips for Financial Grownups podcast on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot and send it to us at hello at financialgrownup.com. So easy, right? Grown Up Gear, as I like to say, is a micro business. We really do need and appreciate all of your support. So check it out. And of course, tell your friends. Big thanks to Jesse Meekum of You Need a Budget for helping us lower our stress levels and be our best financial grownups. Money Tips for Financial Grownups is a production of BRK Media, LLC. 
editing and production by Steve Stewart, guest coordination, content creation, social media support, and show notes by Ashley Wall. You can find the podcast show notes, which include links to resources mentioned in the show, as well as show transcripts by going to my website, bobbyrebell.com. You can also find an incredible library of hundreds of previous episodes to help you on your journey as a financial grown-up. The podcast and tons of complimentary resources associated with the podcast is brought to you for free, but I need to have your support in return. Here's how you can do that. First, connect with me on social media at bobbyrebell1 on Instagram and bobbyrebell on both Twitter and on Clubhouse, where you can join my Money Tips for Grownups Club. Second, share this podcast on social media and tag me so I can thank you. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Reading each one means the world to me. And you know what? It really motivates others to subscribe. You can also support our merch shop, grownupgear.com, by picking up fun gifts for your grown-up friends and treating yourself as well. And most of all, Help your friends on their journey to being financial grownups by encouraging them to subscribe to the podcast. Together, we got this. Thank you for your time and for the kind words so many of you send my way. See you next time. And thank you for supporting Money Tips for Financial Grownups.